Good morning and welcome to Life, Family, Liberty, a podcast, radio show, and multimedia sensory experience from California Family Council. Just have to have a little bit of fun with you today. It is the first day off of school for many school teachers, both here in the central California area and around the nation. So congratulations to all of you. I know you all work hard. I'm not going to make all the jokes about only working 10 months a year. Uh, can I make those jokes? No, no, no. Your wife does not work for a school district, so John, you can. You don't have to. Uh, you don't have to sleep in the same house as an educational employee. So, Sounds no. Good. But my wife Julia is enjoying a very first day of well-deserved rest. So, congratulations, sweetie. She actually just finished. Hard to believe, John. Ten years of work at Clovis Unified. Ten years in the can. All right. That's all done. So, well. As much as it would be fun to just talk about happy summer stories, you know, stuff that's light and low-key, there is so much news that is happening across the country today, we really need to get right down to it. So one of the things that if you are listening locally here on AM 1680, The Answer, which, by the way, if you're listening to this on a podcast but you live in Fresno, tune in every Monday morning. You can hear me live from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m., also my Intrepid co-host, John Girardi. Good to be here, Jonathan. You can listen to him live every Thursday yes, from on, 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. On Right to Life Radio, a radio show and podcast of Right to Life of Central California. And we also like to do a little bit of cross-promotion. So if you want to listen to us on podcast, go to your favorite podcast app. Go to lifefamilyliberty.net, which is where you can subscribe via Google Play or iTunes or Stitcher. But then you can also go to Right to Life CA. Right to life, right to life, or twitter.com slash right to life, ca, or facebook.com slash right to life, ca. And so. you can you can listen to John's programs. And in fact, in most cases, you can even watch them on video because he has a much more yes, advanced indeed. multimedia sensory experience than we do. Well, I, I have employees. That's true. <laughs> that is an advantage. <laughs> who, uh, who do that stuff. So, yeah. There you go. So, we wanted to talk today about. Something that you may have heard if you were just listening to Jim Franklin Live on AM 1680, and that is the, I don't think shocking is too strong of a word, John, the shocking comments by Senator Bernie Sanders from the state of Vermont, independent senator from the state of Vermont. He was questioning a nominee from the Trump administration for the Office of Management and Budget. And this is a guy, it's a fairly uncontroversial position. It's a guy named Russell Vote. Now, Russell Vote is a graduate of a college called Wheaton College. I, I heard someone say the other day that Wheaton College is kind of considered the Harvard of the evangelical or Protestant Christian colleges in the in the United States. They're very okay. well respected. They are very well established. They've been around forever. They have very high academic standards. They are not in any way remotely considered to be a far left or far right fringe. They are well within the mainstream of about, you know, ninety five percent probably of standard Protestant evangelical Christian doctrine. That being said, his alma mater was being attacked several years ago on an issue uh, regarding uh, scripture and regarding Christian Orthodox beliefs. So this came up in the testimony. You might wonder why in the world would this come up in a testimony for a budget position, but apparently there were several groups that wrote letters of opposition, and at the start of this clip, you're going to hear Senator Bernie Sanders from Vermont reading a letter of opposition about why this nominee, Russell Vote, should be denied this appointment, even though he's otherwise completely qualified. This is why he should be denied this appointment. And then Bernie Sanders gets down to the real crux of the issue, which is theology. So here, cut number one, is Bernie Sanders. There... Um their letter states, and I quote, we write to express our deep concerns about the nomination of Russell Vogt to the position of Deputy Director of the White House Office of Management and Budget. 
Mr. Vogt has denigrated American Muslims and the Muslim faith. His writings demonstrate a clear hostility to religious pluralism and freedom that disqualify him for any appointment, including that of Deputy Director of the OMD, so for the record. In the piece that I referred to that you wrote for a publication called Resurgent, you wrote, Muslim, quote, Muslims do not simply have a deficient theology. They do not know God because they have rejected Jesus Christ, his son, and they stand condemned, end of quote. Do you believe, do you believe that that statement is Islamophobic? Absolutely not, Senator. I'm a Christian, and I believe in a Christian set of principles based on my faith. Uh, that post, as I stated in the questionnaire to this committee, was to defend my alma mater, Wheaton College, a Christian school that has a statement of faith that includes the centrality of Jesus Christ for salvation. And again, I apologize. I do forgive me. I, we just don't have a lot of time. Do you believe that people in the Muslim religion stand condemned? Is that your view? Again, Senator, I'm a Christian, and I wrote that piece. Well, what does that say? The statement of faith of Wheaton. I understand that. I don't know how many Muslims there are in America. I really don't know. Probably a couple of million. Are you suggesting that all of those people stand condemned? What about Jews? They stand condemned too. Senator, I'm a Christian. I, I understand you are a Christian, but this country is made up of people who are not just. I understand that Christianity is the majority religion, but there are other people who have different religions in this country and around the world. In your judgment, do you think that people who are not Christians are going to be condemned? Thank you for probing on that question. As a Christian, I believe that all individuals are made in the image of God and are worthy of dignity and respect regardless of their religious beliefs. I believe that, that as a Christian, that's how I should treat all individuals. And do you think your statement that you put into that publication, they do not know God because they have rejected Jesus Christ the Son and they stand condemned, do you think that's respectful of other religions? Senator, I wrote a post based on being a Christian and attending a Christian school that has a statement of faith that speaks clearly with regard to the centrality of Jesus Christ in salvation. I would simply say, Mr. Chairman, that this nominee um, is really not someone who is what this country is supposed to be about. I will vote no one. That, that is sort of the definition of applying a religious test. <laughs> but, but, John, come on, that's... Uh, you know, it's not like there's a constitutional provision, you know, a section in the Constitution that explicitly forbids that, right? Maybe like the sixth article of the Constitution <laughs> says that we shall not apply a religious test. Look, it's one thing if you you personally hold to a religious belief that as part of its tenets has some kind of beliefs about, say, how government should work and that your religion would necessitate as sort of a logical conclusion of its tenets, it would necessitate the overthrow of the Constitution and the overthrow of our government. If you had a belief like that, then yeah, you could – it would be just to say this person's religious beliefs because they applied to how he would do his job, because they applied to how his politics would go, and because those beliefs and politics are fundamentally in opposition to what the Constitution is <coughs> – <coughs> Sharia, Sharia law. <coughs> Sharia law. Uh, sorry, I had a frog in my throat. Um, then you could vote against that person. Right. So if, if, you're, if you were a 
a Muslim who firmly believed that Sharia law should be established in the United States, yeah, you, you probably should be voted down because of that. If you have a belief about salvation, that salvation is only through Jesus Christ, for example, a position that Orthodox Christianity has held for both Catholic and Protestant for thousands of years. And to, and and, to clarify, you know, that is one of like that's one of like the few basic common tenets that virtually every single Christian denomination, Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox, whatever, shares in common. I mean, yeah. it's, it's kind of like in the words of C.S. Lewis, it's, it's a mere Christian doctrine. Yeah, and, and it's not a position saying – it's not a Christian belief that has anything to do with how this person would do his job. Right. Uh, it, you know, he – Theological discussion doesn't come up at office and of management and budget meetings. Yeah, the OMB is not does not actually do too much with regards to whether or not. Oh well, well these Muslims they they have a deficient theology and and you know salvation is only through Jesus Christ. So I guess uh, we we're going to cut funding for this for Muslim for you know Michigan you know Muslim community. No, that's not how it's that's not how. That is not a logical conclusion of his statement of faith. So Bernie Sanders is purely voting against this guy because he doesn't agree with his religious viewpoints. Right. And uh, religious viewpoints that have no bearing on how he do his job, no bearing on his respect for the Constitution, no bearing on uh, anything other than Bernie Sanders thinks uh, his religious viewpoint is mean. Uh, right. Again, a religious viewpoint that people as diverse as Dante Alighieri and uh, <laughs> Billy Graham and all kinds of people uh, have have maintained this position. And uh, to say that I, I'm going to impose – you have to believe that basically there is no hell in order to, to be fit for Bernie Sanders' vote or you have to believe that – I mean I don't know exactly – I mean you have to believe that salvation is through someone other than jesus christ in order for bernie sanders to have his vote i mean i i don't know what the guy's supposed to say right right and i think he did a really good job of trying to answer it um when we come back i want to make sure that you hear the actual words of the uh, article six of the constitution so you understand why this was so problematic and then i'm going to read a few quotes from a few key religious leaders who are in direct opposition to senator sanders Make sure you tune back in, and we would be happy to take your calls as well here on Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. I'm your host, Jonathan Keller. It is Monday, June 12th. Happy to be joined in studio as occasionally, not always, but often by my friend and co-host, John Girardi. Good to be here. Uh, We are discussing the craziness out of senator bernie sanders from vermont i want to just read if you didn't listen to the last segment if you didn't hear his shocking statements regarding russell vote the nominee for office of management and budget we'll play that a little bit later in the show so stay tuned but i wanted to read with you the relevant section of article six of the constitution Uh, The last uh, third paragraph here of Article 6, it says, The senators and representatives before mentioned and the members of the several state legislatures and all executive and judicial officers, both in the United States and the several states, shall be bound by oath or affirmation to support this Constitution. So, John, like you said, Mm -hmm. that's the whole idea. You're bound by oath or affirmation to support the Constitution. You can't serve in an official government capacity while advocating for the overthrow. That's what they taught me in law school. But... Here's the last clause. But no religious test shall ever be required as a qualification to any office or public trust under the United States. Right. 
So basically, what what that essentially means is, so you can impose certain kinds of tests on someone before they come into office, i.e., whether they will actually support the Constitution. That's why, for years, it was legal for, and still today, communists may be excluded from employment positions in government, although there, there was a bill introduced in the California legislature to change that. Basically, orthodox communism advocates for the overthrow of, the, of existing bourgeoisie, bourgeoisie democratic governments and would call for the overthrow of our constitution. Therefore, it was legitimate to put in place laws saying, no, we will not hire communists to work for government. That's totally legitimate. A strict Muslim who really believes in the establishment of Sharia law as the normative law for the entirety of the country, I think that person could legitimately be uh, forbidden from taking office because in its essential principles and like really strict observance how Sharia law is actually practiced in places like Iran and Saudi Arabia and things like that, it is incompatible with the United States Constitution. You have to completely overthrow the Constitution. But but last I I checked, we were not issuing baptism certificates at the federal level. uh, No. And and also, like, Orthodox Southern Baptist theology is not really in conflict with the Constitution. Right. Not really at all. I think a practicing Catholic or a practicing Southern Baptist or someone who believes what Russell Vogt believes, which Senator Sanders called him on ridiculously, so who simply believes that only Christians can be saved, someone like that is perfectly capable of working in the Office of Management and Budget. It right. has nothing to do with how he would do his job. It has nothing to do with treating other people fairly. That's also part of Christianity is to love your neighbor, even if your neighbor is not Christian. And it was absurd of Senator Sanders to latch on to something that's purely a theological question that does not really have much to do with how the Office of Management and Budget is run, and to use this uh, Russell votes Orthodox Christian belief that only salvation is only through Jesus Christ as a way to exclude him from office. So I think what Senator Sanders did was clearly in violation of Article 6 of the Constitution and should be roundly and soundly condemned by everyone, conservatives, liberals, everybody, because it just flat out violates the Constitution. And I want to just clarify something. Again, if, if people listening here, maybe you're not a Christian or maybe you're a Christian, but you know, you're know you not very up on your biblical quotations, this statement that Bernie Sanders quotes where he's he's accusing Russell Vote of hate and oh my gosh do you think this is you know discriminatory do you, you think, think only Christians is, will go to heaven or yeah, something? you know do you believe that all Muslims are condemned well Russell Vote makes a very good point I'm just going to read something for you real quick this is a verse you might have heard of before from the book of John chapter three verse sixteen and then the two verses that follow it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You've probably seen this at many places. I've maybe, heard of this. Maybe under Tim Tebow's eyes on his eye black yes. at, a, uh, <laughs> at a Florida football game. And then verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Through him. Through him. And that's very basic Christian doctrine. Here's verse 18, and this is where I think Bernie Sanders would take great issue, great, great, great issue with this yes, verse. Yes, yes, yes. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Yeah. That is basically in almost almost word for word what Russell Vogt said wrote in this article. Yeah. And I, I'm sorry, I mean this is both a it's both a religious test and it's it's just incredible to me that Senator Sanders is so ignorant of the 
text of the New Testament, yeah, one of I the mean, most like, foundational ex- works of um, right, you know, right. world literature. Yeah, we don't expect him to be a, a deep Christian theologian or anything, but maybe just to understand this is you know just kind of a basic expression of historical American Christianity and worldwide Christianity, and it, it it's not outrageous for someone who's been nominated to the Office of Management and Budget to profess it. And it's absurd for any senator to view this as a reason to vote against somebody. Right. Right. And I want to read, this is a quote from uh, Russell Moore, one of my favorite uh, theologians. He's the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. He called Sanders' comments, quote, breathtakingly audacious and shockingly ignorant. (laughs) And he says, this is not some arcane or obscure private opinion being held by this one individual. The language that Senator Sanders finds so disturbing, stands condemned, is language right out of the New Testament. Again, John uh, chapter 3, verse 18. It was actually, it was literally, Jonathan, the gospel that almost every Roman Catholic in the country heard on Sunday. Really? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Man, the irony. My wife wife just texted me and pointed that out. But yeah, that that was the gospel. That was the gospel we had this past Sunday. Good grief. Yeah, so the irony is just incredibly thick. I can't quite hardly even believe that. And then this is another important point, I think. Uh, Russell Moore points out further that there is nothing hostile about votes comments. It's Russell Moore says, quote, in Christian theology, no one is righteous before God. Evangelical Christians don't believe that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. Christians believe that all of humanity is fallen. So the other point that I think is really key, John, is uh, Russell Moore ends here by saying, Moore argues there's a fundamental misunderstanding at play. Secular people, like Senator Sanders, who even though he is ethnically Jewish, he identifies as agnostic at best, but probably atheist. Secular people often assume that beliefs are, quote, just ideas and opinions that can shift. But for religious people, Dr. Moore says, quote, we don't believe we are constructing our faith. We believe it's been handed to us by God. And I think I think that's the whole idea here. This, whether it's traditional Catholicism, whether it's evangelical Christianity, whether it's Judaism, whether it's Islam, whether it's Sikhism, whatever, we're not people who are sincere religious believers do not believe that they are just kind of picking and choosing from a buffet of theological convictions. Many people, most people who are religiously observant, believe that their faith is true, yes. or, or else why would you believe it? Right. That I think I'm right, and I think everyone else is wrong. That's why. I, but that's why I'm a Catholic. Yeah. Right. Right. And I don't think there's anything bigoted about that. There's nothing. Um, you know, this, it just means you think what you think. Yeah. Yeah. It's not any more bigoted than believing a specific type of political viewpoint. Right. Sure. Right or a like socialism, <laughs> right? <laughs> one that, one that has a wildly uh, unsuccessful track record and has demonstrated again and again how how much it stings, and yet some people still believe it. And you know what, Bernie? That's all right. It's oh my gosh, it's unbelievable. Well, folks, we're going to take a quick break from this. Uh, we have a friend of the show on the line and a CFC employee, Josh Denton from Washington, D.C. We'll be giving you an update on some key national news right when we come back here on this episode of Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty. 
boy, that was a really helpful ad. Like right before we went back on, letting people know, hey, Life, Family, Liberty on 9 a.m. on Mondays. <laughs> if you are uh, if you are listening live, you, you might have noticed there was an inadvertent extra commercial for our show just before we came back on the air. So thank you for tuning in. Always Andy. I apologize you had to listen to the intro music twice, but that's okay. If you're listening on the podcast, you have no idea what we're talking about. You have been spared all of this. Oh, so. yeah, that's fine. Um, so I wanted to go ahead and bring on for this segment. We've been talking about Bernie Sanders, but there's another important national story, and I wanted to bring on California Family Council's DC Washington D.C. correspondent Joshua Denton. Joshua, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me on the show today, Jonathan. So you have just published a great new article uh, on the California Family Council website, CaliforniaFamily.org. Title of the article is "Abortion Facility Ordered to Shut Down Over Constant Health Violations." And even though this story comes out of Pennsylvania, I think this is an important thing for our listeners in California to hear because it goes to show one way that pro-life advocates are being successful in shutting down abortion clinics and saving women and children. Yeah, so it's it's a really interesting article. This is um, something that's been a long time coming, you could say. Um, And the the background is uh, basically this abortion facility in Pennsylvania uh, has been ordered by the State Department of Health to close after failing a surprise inspection last Monday. Um, And so it it was ordered just a, a couple of days after that to close. And this, this is not the first time that this abortion facility has failed multiple health violations. Clear back in February of this year, the facility failed its health inspection then. So last Monday's failure was the fourth time in six years wow. that this abortion facility has been cited for, for health violations. And in the latest inspection, you can, you can go over the report, and I did that, and it, it's it is 44 pages of health violations of this abortion facility, which is called Hillcrest Women's Center. And on, and, the, on the website in the article, this is a really well-written, detailed article, Joshua. You mentioned just a few of the bullet points, things like failing to conduct patient safety committee meetings quarterly, which is direct violation of the Medical Care and Reduction of Error Act, failure to conduct background checks for employees, admitting and treating individuals under the age of 18, failing to document blood type, failing to supervise patients when recovering from surgery or anesthesia. I mean, like you said, 44 pages of violations. That's incredible. Yeah, but that's that's not the worst part about this, this case, Jonathan. So you would think after failing this, you know, the, the inspection back in February, it would be shut down at that point, you know, after violating all of these standards to ensure that women are supposed to receive, you know, adequate care in, a, in an actual... Uh, facility that is properly equipped to, to do these kinds of things in the first place. But that, that's not the case. The abortion facility was allowed to continue operating until several news organizations like Life News picked up on it, and it, it caught the attention of several pro-life Pennsylvania legislators, and three of those senators, Senators Scarnetti, Bob Minch, and John DeSanto, they sent a letter uh, to the Health Department Secretary Karen Murphy, and asked that the, the facility be closed, and they were like, they they asked for an explanation as to why DOH did not immediately move to suspend or revoke Hillcrest Women's this medical center's license upon finding such numerous egregious violations. Because as you mentioned, both these health and safety violations are deeply troubling and not at all conducive to environment that is, you know. Uh, pro-woman for sure. Some of the other violations were, you know, failure to document what type of or what type of 
blood type. The, the patients, uh, when they were doing blood work, they, the staff failed to document what type of blood the you know patients had. They failed to supervise patients while they were um, recovering from surgery or anesthesia, and actually they failed at least in 12 that we know of. They at least failed to have a registered nurse present um, for at least 12 patients who visited. So upon conducting interviews with the staff there, they found out that the facility did not even employ or utilize the services of, red, of a registered nurse, which Good is grief. obviously against the law. Well, and I have to say the the play in California, the reason everybody listening that this is so important is in California, the last several years, we have aggressively deregulated our abortion industry right. at the same time that places like Pennsylvania have been passing legislation. Uh, we have been going the reverse. In fact, I want to read a post from my counterpart in the state of Pennsylvania, Michael Gear. Uh, he posted on June 7th, unborn children are safer today. Harrisburg's Hillcrest abortion store is closed. License revoked after blatantly failing health and safety inspection. Thank you to all of those who helped us pass the different legislation, which requires inspections of all abortion clinics and that they meet the same health and safety standards of other outpatient facilities. Involved citizenship makes a difference and saves lives. Well, I wholeheartedly agree. Unfortunately, we have had too little involved citizenship in the state of California. And Joshua, as a result of this, even if there are violations like this going on in California abortion clinics... We, we have no way of knowing about it. Yeah. In, in, in fact, Joshua, I don't know if I had told you this before we got on the air, but we actually explicitly repealed a law that said you had to have an actual abortion doctor on site abortion wow. uh, uh, first trimester suction vacuum aspiration abortions can now be performed by a certified nurse midwife uh, doctors don't need admitting privileges yeah. in a hospital within you know 50 miles of where the abortion takes place i mean they can be performed is, in rural health clinics yeah. now and it, it just it, josh by the way this is john girardi from right to life of central california it, it just seems like in california there's no way that some of these same violations aren't taking place in a state where there's less regulation and less oversight. Yeah. Uh, so it, right. it's just shocking to think, you know, what could be happening behind closed doors. And because well, there's no reporting requirements, there's nothing nothing we can do. Well, right. Because, like, in 2011, the whole reason that these laws were passed is because clear back in 2011, you know, Pennsylvania enacted these regulations requiring that the state's abortion facilities be subject to unannounced inspections to keep things from, like, the famous, the infamous tragedy that every everyone's familiar with, the, the facility, uh, what's, what's been called Kermit Gosnell's House of Horrors. They, the whole intention with passing these, these regulations is to keep something like that from ever happening again. But the mm-hmm. thing is, like, we can't wait to find out about a facility operating in such a way like Gosnell's House of Horrors to then try to pass legislation, something like that needs or to pass these type of, enact these type of laws. Mm-hmm. The time for enacting those ty- types of laws is now. Like we don't wait. Like how many how many lives does it take to begin to write these types of legislation right. or, or see the need for them? And you know? and that's that's the amazing thing from a legal standpoint, Jonathan and, and Josh. That you know when Roe v. Wade was issued, it didn't allow for these kinds of regulations like they're passing in Pennsylvania, things like 
basic health and safety restrictions on abortion clinics, things like that. Like, abortion was totally deregulated Mm. by Roe v. Wade. Planned Parenthood versus Casey in 1992, while it was a bad decision, was a little better because it allows us to pass these kinds of health and safety regulations like they're doing in in Pennsylvania in 1992. So if anyone ever comes to you with, like, some idea that Roe v. Wade was some sort of a moderate position, understand that Roe v. Wade was the most radically, like, the most radical decision Ever. Aside from you know making abortion legal for all 40 weeks of pregnancy and for any reason, something that only like five other countries in the world have, uh, it also prevented any kinds of like basic health and safety regulations on abortion clinics. So California has basically embraced the Roe v. Wade model. It has not caught up with the sort of Planned Parenthood versus Casey notion that no abortion should should be able to be regulated like other healthcare practices and other health and abortion clinics should be able to be regulated like other healthcare facilities. California still thinks that no uh, abortion is this biz- while while simultaneously saying that well abortion is no different from you know getting an appendix removed and people should have a right to do what they want for their bodies just like uh, nevertheless uh, appendix removal. Is far more regulated yes, than just, than what is happening at these abortion clinics. Even tanning salons tanning are more salons regulated. Are way more regulated. If you're under eighteen, you go into a t- good luck you, trying to you, go into a tanning. You salon. actually, and in fact, I know this sounds like we're joking, folks, but literally, there was a law passed, uh, Joshua, a couple of years ago. There was a law passed in the state of California. It's not that it requires parental consent. It is an outright ban on tanning salons if you are under eighteen. You, you can be 17 and a half years old with your mom standing at a tanning salon counter saying, look, I just want to get a This is my tan. daughter. This is my daughter. I've got all the proof. I've got birth certificates, everything. I just want my daughter to be able to tan before prom next month. <laughs> nope, nope. It's illegal because of the potential risks of skin cancer. It is illegal. And yet abortion wow. is completely unregulated. You can be 12 years old in the state of California and go get an abortion without your parents' notification or consent. So uh, this is a really great article, Josh, and I, I think it goes to show what we need to be talking about in California. It goes to show that good laws, when they are enacted and then when they are enforced, like you said, it took a while for this to actually be enforced, but when they're finally enforced, it actually does save lives. So, Josh, we're, we're up against yep. a break here, but remind people where they can find out more. Obviously, they can go to CaliforniaFamily.org uh, and listen to or read the article, but where can they follow you directly, your Twitter account and everything? So you can follow me on Twitter at, at Josh D. Denton. And one last point I want to make really quick is that women and families don't need this type of uh, facility like in, in Pennsylvania. There's so many other options uh, that, that they can choose from that are all about building a culture of life. So that's that's the kind of thing that we need to ultimately encourage. Absolutely. Josh, make sure uh, everyone, please go follow Josh. Read the article on CaliforniaFamily.org. We'll be back here in just a few minutes on Life, Family, Liberty. Welcome back to Life, Family, Liberty from California Family Council. Happy to be in studio with my friend John Girardi from Right to Life of Central California. And happy to be joined last segment by Josh Denton from California Family Council. He's our Washington, D.C. correspondent. Very excited we have someone back there who can write some great national articles and also do some reporting from some of the key events back there. Yeah, that is handy. It's very, very cool. So today we've got a short segment left here today and then a final closing segment. But I wanted to just play, in case you missed it, if you're listening live, you're not listening on the podcast, and you missed the very end of Bernie Sanders' discussion. 
at the beginning of the show, we played a two and a half minute clip from Bernie Sanders, almost three minutes long, where he just rips this nominee for the Office of Management and Budget, Russell Vote. He excoriates him for believing basically simple Orthodox Christian doctrine. And at the end of the discussion, he says this. I would simply say, Mr. Chairman, that this nominee um, is really not someone who is what this country is supposed to be about. I will vote no. So, I will vote no. I will Jesus. vote no. <laughs> That's kind of dramatic. This, this, is, this nominee is not someone who this country is supposed to be about. Now, John, correct me if I'm wrong, but what was, what was one of the primary reasons why a large number of Puritans and other people came from, uh, the, from I, England I, and I believe, Holland? I believe it was because they had very particular, very Christian beliefs, including the exact beliefs espoused by um, uh, this nominee, and they fled the Church of England and England in order to practice it uh, without uh, persecution. Well, wasn't it also kind of specifically that at the time the king of England had kind of set himself up as more or less superior to the church and was kind of, you know, uh, requiring certain he, levels of fealty uh, uh, theologically? Yes. yes, that would be correct. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, I he, was kind of, he was kind of imposing religious tests, uh, a religious test on uh, whether or not you were allowed to live in England. Yeah. <laughs> so if uh, you were Anglican, you could. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I mean, yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure I had my history correct there. You know, I was, I was yeah. reaching back. So, if, uh, yeah. Like that Thomas More guy? Yeah, yeah. They, they, that was that was part of the problem there. He he kept wanting to be Catholic, and they, they were like, "No, no, uh, no." And he wanted to be Catholic and alive was the main problem. That you know that is incompatible. Yeah, so Catholicism was, is yeah. incompatible with still breathing in yeah. England well, in, in, those in England in the 16th century. So I, I want to read from you, uh, read to you a quote from my friend David French. We were going to get him on today, but he is stuck on a plane. So we're going to try to get him on next week to talk about this. But David French, writing at National Review, says, quote, this is a disgraceful and unconstitutional line of questioning from the man who came close to being the Democratic nominee for president. Folks, that, yep. that's the key thing. You, you can't just think, oh, well, this is just crazy Uncle Bernie. You know, hey, he uh, he's just out there independent from Vermont. No, like if, if Bernie, if, if it hadn't been for superdelegates, which is the way that the Democratic Party I think smartly uh, stacks its deck in favor of the candidate that they think is smarter. Um, Bernie Sanders would probably be would probably have been the Democrat nominee and quite possibly uh, quite possibly could be president of the United States right now yes. had it not been for the Democrat superdelegate system. So this is not some insignificant politician. This guy is a. I mean, this is kind of the face of the Democratic Party in in a lot of ways, especially now that Hillary has lost. Uh, I think if Bernie Sanders tried to run again in 2020, uh, he could get the nomination. Well, and a final quote here uh, as we're getting ready to go to break. David French says, increasingly, the battle between Democrats and many evangelicals is becoming a struggle against leftist efforts to treat Orthodox Christians as second-class citizens. I can think of few better examples than the exchange above. Christians can and do believe Jesus Christ is the way, truth, and the life, while also defending the fundamental freedoms of all their fellow citizens. That's how our constitutional republic works. Bernie Sanders would do well to brush up his civic education and remember that religious freedom belongs to even citizens and nominees he doesn't like. Folks, we're going to come here and wrap up in just a few minutes. Thanks for listening today on Life, Family, Liberty. Thanks again, everyone, for joining us today on Life, Family, Liberty. 
radio show and podcast of California Family Council. Thanks to John Girardi for joining us today. Thank you, Jonathan Keller, for hosting this show. Thanks to Senator Bernie Sanders from Vermont for, for giving providing, us content. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> a lot of grist for the mill. And I can guarantee you this is not going to be the only week we talk about this. Thank you, Jim Franklin, for owning this radio station. <laughs> very, <laughs> very, very grateful. I, I just want to say some people may have noticed if you watched the James Comey hearings, and that is the first and only mention you will hear of James Comey on our show. Or if you're a huge nerd that, that read the entire transcript of the hearing like I did. <laughs> That's right. If you're, but we're not going to talk about that. We're, we're not going to talk about that. We don't, ta- we don't care about that. But I did want to point out just a, a little bit of a difference. When John McCain was asking questions, he kind of rambled and was a little off the yeah, rails. It was a bit of a senior moment. He got some names mixed up and no one understood what he was asking so about. So immediately after that, he was asked, people said, is he is he okay? Is he, is he having is he literally stable? I, like I, all of Twitter exploded I'm with, not, with people making jokes at this and I'm not, freaking Vietnam war hero. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making fun of him, but people literally asked, well, yeah. is he having a stroke or something? Is there a problem? No one questioned Bernie Sanders right. after this ridiculous little and, and, and I want to I want to actually read you a quote from US News and World Report. Uh, it says, "But Sanders did not back down from his stance that votes post was indefensible and hateful." With a spokesman for Sanders releasing a statement in the wake of the exchange that said, "Quote, in a democratic society founded on the principle of religious freedom, we can all disagree over issues, but racism and bigotry, condemning an entire group of people because of their faith, cannot be part of any public policy. <laughs> so, you, hey, guess what? I would agree with that. You shouldn't have racism and bigotry as part of public policy, but this is not yeah, public policy. This is, his private, this is his personal religious viewpoints based on you know Orthodox Christianity. It has nothing to do with the Office of Management and Budget. Absolutely. That's the central point of all of this. And then also Senator Chris Van Hollen defended him during the hearing, and Michael Stone, writing at Progressive Secular Humanist, a blog, called Sanders quote, a hero for openly challenging the bigotry and prejudice of Christian extremists being nominated to serve in key government positions. Folks, this is about as far from extremism as you could possibly get. If, If you are literally quoting the words of Jesus, I'm sorry, that's not extreme. At least it shouldn't be. We will talk about this and many, many other subjects next week. Thanks, as always, for joining us. We'll be back soon on Life, Family, Liberty.